Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Eric Alonso to my fit and proper test. It's Justin Peach. <laughs> Good afternoon to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, you'd be surprised to hear. <laughs> what a Derby fan. Doing very well for once. How mm. coincidental. Uh, you are <laughs> listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, the reason Justin is feeling very, very good today is because of what happened on Saturday. What a final day, ladies and gentlemen. What a final day. If you wanted any more proof that the championship is the best league in the world, look no further. It was an absolute roller coaster. I felt like I'd been through 12 rounds with Anthony Joshua afterwards. I was exhausted. But Mm. we were hoping the relegation battle would be dramatic. It certainly was. It was worth pointing out at various different points. Each team was staying up. It was just absolutely crazy, wasn't it, Justin? It's exactly what you need in a final day relegation showdown is every team to be outside the the bottom three, every team to be bottom, essentially. You know, Wickham, uh, other than the nine-goal swing, they they, they picked up three points as well. They came off the bottom of the table. It was utterly, utterly crazy. And And it's weird. Obviously, we did a live stream alongside it. It was so weird just being involved in it at the time because you just savour it completely differently as you would coming into a podcast yeah it was it was absolutely crazy and I hope I don't go through it again as a fan but as a neutral <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic well we're getting quite used to final days in the championship just being absolutely balmy we saw that last season didn't we mm-hmm. with the uh, fiasco surrounding Barnsley and none of the teams going for automatic promotion winning but even away from the relegation battle all the other teams took our advice, Justin, where if you've got nothing to play for, just put on a show. Forget about defending. There was 48 goals from 12 games in the Championship on Saturday. Every game had at least two goals. It was just unbelievable. It's one of those days that you just won't forget, and that's why we bloody love the Championship. But let's crack on with the action then, Justin. What we'll do is we'll talk about the two relegation battle games, talk about what relegation means for... Rotherham and Wednesday, and what staying up means for Derby. The only other order of business which needs sorting out is is who's playing who in the playoffs. So we'll have a brief chat about that. Of course, we've got our playoff previews coming up, so I don't want to go into too much depth about that. Unfortunately, we're not going to be spending much time talking about the teams involved in neither the relegation battle or playoffs this week. We will be grading each team's season at a later date, so you have that to look forward to if your team had a less eventful final day. But let's crack on, Justin. Derby 3, Wednesday 3. So many emotions in this game. I think they only got ramped up even more after Rotherham scored early at Cardiff, which meant Wednesday were going down and Derby had to win. Mm -hmm. And this game was just unbelievable. Yeah, the the first half was quite tepid, wasn't it? You know, it was... Things started to simmer a little bit. There were some big chances for Derby, and ultimately Wednesday scored against the run of play, um, especially when you consider the chances. And um, the game just just flew into life after after half time, which for both sides doesn't normally happen. So we're not used to it as as supporters um, seeing that happen. Um, and as you say, the teams they had they had to they had to go for it. Rotherham getting an early goal was the best thing for them and the worst thing for for Derby and Wednesday because that meant the pressure was just mountain high it was ridiculous yeah both teams led at different points in the game as well which just ramped it up even more as you quite rightly said it was a very cagey first half and then second half it just opened up so much both teams had some really good chances and in the end I thought a draw was a fair result oh yeah and after Derby realised they were staying up with a draw it looked as if Rooney was more than happy to take that Definitely, definitely. And um, when you consider how emotional he was in his post-match presser, um, he really was. Um, a, a draw was was absolutely the fair result. And it is literally the case of one player kept Derby in the championship and, and relegated the likes of, of Wednesday and Rotherham. That was Marlon Pack. Um, quite quite simply put, one one man was the difference in all of this. I know, I know Waghorn was monumental against Wednesday but it was Marlon Pack who, who did the business for, for Derby County Yeah Marlon Pack has suddenly become a very popular man in Derby um, Wayne Rooney asked his players 
to leave it all out there. The fans had a banner asking them to do the same, which was held up outside the grounds before the game for the players to see. And to be fair, the players did leave it out there, didn't they? Uh, and then some. Martin Wycon left some on the post as well. <laughs> he did. Uh, it's, it's all you need from your players in that situation is just give everything you've got. You've had 45 games to do it. It's not worked out. This is your final chance. And it, and it really was the final chance. We saw Patrick Roberts, who has been inconsistent. He's been in, in and out of games. And it felt like he left it out there. Martin Wycon has had a really poor season. You were saying... Um, a lot during the live stream about how, how poor he's been this season, how underwhelming he's been, how Derby fans might like to see the back of him. Oh, give him a three-year deal after that performance. <laughs> Curtis, Curtis Davis, the, the stories about Curtis Davis coming out, how he had to sign a waiver to um, make sure the club wasn't liable for any injury caused because he tore his Achilles in December and he came on and played in that game. He's not trained. Um, he, he's barely done any fitness work and he said himself that as long as he felt fine twisting and turning he'll get through that final 15 minutes and he did it was incredible it really was <laughs> fairy tale stuff yeah it really was that, that's not to say the Wednesday players didn't leave it out there either both sides Absolutely. were putting in so much effort and you could see it meant so much to all the players and the thing we were saying as well a lot of those Derby players aren't going to be there next season and it's, that's something we'll get onto a bit later on when we talk about Derby next season Loads of them are on loan or out of contract in the summer. So it's not their futures necessarily on the line, but you couldn't tell that by the way they were playing. So you've got to ask the question, why weren't they showing this passion all season? It's weird, isn't it? it you, you can you can say this about any club that's in this situation. Is is why is it taking forty five games to get to this point? Why is it taking you forty five games to show that you have the ability to to do something? And sometimes it's confidence. It being a one off game in in a certain way was the best thing for for Derby and Wednesday and even Rotherham because they could just go out there and do what they they needed to do. And as we see, as we saw, all teams drew. They wasn't much separating any of these teams and um, Wednesday and Rotherham can count themselves unlucky but you know you look at Wickham as well 1-3-0 they, they left it all out there as well but as you say it's 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 what's happened before that that has essentially let these teams down because we, we've, we've seen that they are they are good when they can be yeah we'll uh, talk more in depth about that in just a sec let's go to the Rotherham game they needed to win to stand any chance of staying up and Looked like they were going to pull it off before a late equaliser from Marlon Pack for Cardiff meant it finished 1-0. But by all accounts, this game should have been about 6-0 at half-time because Rotherham missed some unbelievable chances. I, I can't imagine being a Rotherham fan in this situation, just seeing chance after chance go begging. You're tearing your hair out. If you've got no hair, you're biting your fingernails. I, I can't envisage what it would have been like just to see those chances flash by and you're always going to get an extra chance you're always going to get another chance to to go ahead but that that many in the first half you have to take them you have to take them and um, they didn't and they, they have paid the price because at 2-0 rather than win that absolutely yeah. they win that um, but left it open for, for Kyle to get back into the game at 1-0 yeah, Cardiff barely had a sniff of goal. So the fact they managed to get that last-minute equaliser was a real sucker punch for Rotherham. And it was quite ironic, really, that the one goal Rotherham actually did score was a screamer from 25 yards out, the hardest chance mm -hmm. of all, really. So, yeah, I, I think missed chances sums up Rotherham quite a lot recently because some of the chances they've missed... If you made a compilation of the chances they missed over the past month or so, you'd be thinking to yourself, well, in fact, it's something that you're well in your rights now to think, how on earth have Rotherham got relegated? You're talking about missed chances, but the, the biggest missed chance of all is having four or five games in hand on the teams above them and they couldn't take them. They lost those games. That's the biggest chance. And uh, going into the minuscule detail, they missed a lot of chances in games to... To, to get results and it just it just it just didn't have enough and that's all you can really say because for a team of Rotherham stature getting to this point in the season um, I think not only that but you're competing with Wednesday and Derby who have probably quadruple your 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 playing budget um, you've gone toe to toe with them throughout the season you've probably been the better team um, against these sides you know I think 
Rotherham beat Derby without reply twice. They beat Wednesday. Um, that Ladapo screamer. And you are you are literally talking about missed chances in other games. That's what's let them down, and um, they've gone down as a result. That that is the only the only reason why they are down is because they failed to jump that very small last hurdle. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Rotherham's season as a whole and what next season will mean for them very shortly. Let's talk about Derby then, because they have managed to stay up by the skin of their teeth on <laughs> the last day of the season. Not really sure how they've managed it, Justin, because they've been fairly atrocious over the past couple of months. And I suppose the first place you've got to start with, apart from obviously the takeover, which is another thing we'll get onto later, is the manager. Wayne Rooney has not particularly impressed Derby fans over, I'm I'm going to say the course of his tenure, really. I was going to say initially over the past couple of months, but it's really ever since he took the job on, really. And you as a Derby fan, Wayne Rooney, yes or no, do you hang on to him for next season? I think I think it'll be unfair to to get rid of him because has he really been given a fair crack at the whip? I don't think he has. He's he's been let down by um, the hierarchy at the club. He's he's on his second takeover uh, at current recording. Could be a third at any point. Um, he's he's really been through it tactically. There's still a lot to learn for him, but um, I think as Colin Kazim Richard said in it, in one of his interviews after the game yesterday, he said that the young players are, are, are going to be more experienced for this for this. Experience. For, they're, they're going to be more experienced for the experience that they've gone through um, and it's going to be the same with Wayne Wayne Rooney essentially he's going to be more experienced for what he's he's been put through he's going to have learnt a lot and will he be a better manager because of it? Maybe um, but I think he should be given a fair a fair crack with, with the transfer window under new ownership That is quite interesting you say that though because you've not particularly been a massive fan of Mr Rooney uh, especially recently I've been in panic mode for the last six weeks um, since that. Th- I can't remember. It might have been the Cardiff defeat or even the, the, the Preston defeat a few games later. I would have removed Rooney and put in McLaren. Um, I'm sure the hierarchy will be saying it's a masterstroke that, that they kept Rooney on board to, to see it out. But if we're being honest, Derby, were, were read it. Derby stayed up, should I say, because Rotherham... Uh, couldn't couldn't see themselves over the line, and because Wednesday had a points deduction, if those things hadn't have happened, Derby would be would be down. That's it's as simple as that. They they were kept up by um, a Cardiff City player, um, so th- there are clear improvements that need to be made, and I think Wayne Rooney needs to have an opportunity to work with the team and then give him ten fifteen games into the next season if the, if Derby can afford that. I, I get your point, but wouldn't you also say that? This is a this is a really crucial time for Derby County as a football club because I can't see them particularly improving at the moment on um, this season, next season, which we'll go on to in, in just a sec. But at the same time, you can't really afford to give a young manager a chance after chance after chance, can you? And what I put forward to you as kind of an opposing kind of an opinion... Would you possibly say that getting in an experienced manager instead would be a better way of going about it? Someone who's got more of a track record in management in the championship? It depends what the the ownership situation is. If it's Mel Morris still, then God forbid that is the case. I'm just trying to think of a scenario that works with him still in charge of the club. I don't think one does. I think Derby... Go down if if that's the case. Whoever's in charge, um, if it's Eric Alonso, he's already said he wants Wayne Rooney. Um, so that's that, and he's inexperienced himself. So I doubt he's going to make the right decision straight away. Um, if it's another ownership group, they might want to bring in their own man who's got more experience, who can safeguard and, and shepherd the club away from this tumultuous period that they've that they've been put through. Um, I don't. It's very hard to, to to judge Rooney. I find it very difficult to judge Rooney because of. The ownership situation because of not being able to bring in players in January that he wanted to bring in, um, and because of the the injuries that have happened to some of the players, Mengi um, was ruled out for the season. Lee Gregory ruled out for the season. It's really hard to judge him, um, but I think given a, a pre-season and a, and a transfer window would be the fair thing to do. That's me being very very um, cautious as well. 
I would disagree with you. I think I don't think it is going to happen. I think Rooney will be in charge next season. I'd be very surprised if he's not. But if I was a if I was the owner of Derby County, I'd be looking at the situation and think, right, we just need to rip everything up and just start again. Rooney has been dealt a tough hand in his first managerial job, but having said that, he's not covered himself in glory at, at times. Some of the goals Derby have conceded have been extremely poor. Um, that's not necessarily down to him, but at the same time, if it keeps happening again and again and again, then you have got to start pointing fingers at the manager. The other thing is as well, he has mismanaged games so many times this season and it's been so obvious as well when it's been down to poor mismanagement I'm thinking of the most recent games against Birmingham and uh, Swansea for example where Derby were leading the opposition make a tactical change and then Derby can see two goals it's just sloppy and as a manager a good manager wouldn't let that happen so I'm all for you know giving young managers a chance but in this occasion I don't think you can because Derby are in such a fragile state at the moment and I don't think they can afford to you know just keep giving a young manager chance after chance it's got to be pointed out as well if this wasn't England's all-time record goal scorer Man United's all-time record goal scorer England legend he wouldn't have been given this many chances do you know <laughs> what I mean no, I, I agree. I agree that um, his legendary status as in a playing career has safeguarded him from any um, rush decision. Uh, it'd be easier to sack Nigel Clough. It'd be easier to sack Alex Neil um, because these aren't household European um, heavyweights, shall we say? Um, so yeah, I, I, I do agree that that does help. But I, I just I don't think you can pull the trigger immediately on on a on a guy who has ultimately been shafted by by Mel Morris and Stephen Pearce. He's been left to field every single question by by journalists and he's, he's, he's felt the brunt of it and I think that's been unfair and I've probably been unfair in my criticism of him as well. Fair enough. Let's talk about the situation next season then because Derby are in a very interesting state in terms of playing squad, aren't they? At the moment, as it stands, they've got 15 senior players contracted for next season. And when I say 15, I'm being very generous there. I'm, I'm going to say at least five of them are you know, teenagers, players under 21. Um, there aren't any centre-backs in that group. There's three defenders. And when you look at the squad, there's a lot of work to be done over the summer, isn't there? God, yes. Absolutely, yes. Uh, there, there's a lot of work that needed to be done in January. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the club is is on its knees. Um, there's a there's a very joyous moment that everybody should savour in in beating relegation on the final day of the season. But the hard work has to start today. It has to start at I don't know when the game finished at three oh one yesterday. Um, everything has to has to shift to to bringing in the right personnel. Personally, I give Curtis Davis another year on vastly reduced terms. He's thirty six. There's no way he can be earning over. 20 grand a week for example which is is his rumored salary um i think derby need his leadership need his um ability and he'd be a very good center half to have on board for the for the younger group i'd give waghorn um a couple of years as well just because i think he showed yesterday what he's capable of um, not only did he collide with the post and come out better for it um his 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 goals showcase what he's about, his ability, his header was fantastic and his, his ball for Josbiak for the penalty showed what he could do elsewhere on the pitch. And um, George Edmondson, I think he, they need to go for him. The rest is down to Derby's really bad recruitment policy. That's the big worry, isn't it? Derby's recruitment over the past few years hasn't exactly been glittering, has it? Um, I would say that a lot of work needs to be done. That goes without saying, I suppose. Um, but the way I look at things right now, when we're in this position and we've still got a whole summer ahead and plenty could happen in that time, I do look at Derby and think to myself, they must be the favourites at the moment to go down next season because we just don't know what state they're going to be in at the moment. And the two clubs who have come up from League One, I fancy them to do quite well next season. Mm -hmm. Um, and Derby are in just an absolute mess at the moment. So unless there's a change of ownership um, and that really sorts everything out in terms of getting the players in and what have you, 
then I just feel like Derby are just going to be having another season like this. We had the joy that we saw from yesterday with the fans celebrating outside the ground, but as you say, now that the dust is settled, they need to proper properly figure out what on earth is going on with this club. And a really important point to make is the the club aren't out of the woods yet. There's still an EFL charge hanging over them. There's still the threat of potential administration if any um, any investment falls through, any any change of ownership falls through. The club really is in, in a fragile state. It's like walking over, um, I don't know, a, a tightrope that is that is splintering at either end. Um, that's the state that Derby are in at the moment, and it could all go south very quickly. And of course, they can still be deducted points. Um, we, we saw with Macclesfield a couple of years ago that they were ducted points after this season and then subsequently relegated. That could still happen to Derby if they were put in, plunged into administration. Imagine if that happens. That would be mm-hmm. so harsh after managing to stay up on the last day of the season. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about how we think Wednesday and Rotherham are going to do next season and a quick run through all the other games in the Championship. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from classicfootballshirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got track suits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So let's start talking about Sheffield Wednesday, shall we, Justin? They were the team who lost out right at the death on the final day was trying really hard to get back into it but just missed out if they managed to get one more goal that could have been it it would have been back in the championship next season but I do look at Wednesday and they're in a very similar position to Derby aren't they in the way that terrible terrible ownership has let them get into the position that they're in and now it's a worrying worrying few months for Sheffield Wednesday fans it is but I think the difference with Derby is Chancery actually uh, I think he, I mean he, he cares about the club and he cares about Sheffield Wednesday, but he does it very badly. He's still he's still writing off losses. He's still paying the bills. Um, he's not taking in any loans that I know of, like Derby have. Um, so I think he's he's still his, his heart is in the right place. Um, he's just not got a football brain by any means. He just has no idea how to run the club football in a, in a football sense, which is ultimately plunged Wednesday into the position that they're in now you're looking at recruitment you're looking at um, advisors that have come through the club managerial appointments all of it is has been because of his his lack of foresight from a footballing sense um, for example to be fair Gary Monk wasn't a bad appointment I don't think but the recruitment side of it let it let let um, let him down essentially and uh, they never really recovered from from Steve Bruce resigning either I think they've suffered from bad advice, haven't they? It seems like the people who are giving Chancery advice have really let him down in a sense. Because I think you're quite right. Recruitment has been the real sticking point and the constant sacking of managers and the points deduction as well. So there's all these different factors that have gone into this big melting pot and have ultimately you know, buggered Wednesday. It is also worth pointing out they've dropped 29 points from winning positions this season, which is not a fantastic stat to see either when, well, from a manager's standpoint, that must be just bloody frustrating. Um, So we look at how they are now and they're also in a similar position to Derby in the sense that it's going to be interesting to see who's actually playing for them next season because there's some players on big wages there some of them are out of contract as well Jordan Rhodes is the big name on there I can't see him hanging around uh, at Hillsborough next season Um, but on a positive side 
they have also got some good players to have in a League One team. Barry Bannon almost looks certainly certain to be playing for them next season. He signed a new deal not too long ago. And I think there's a clause in there that uh, means he'll have a wage reduction now that they're in League One. So he won't be as much of a financial burden because he's also quite a high earner. So you are, the, if they do manage to keep hold of a good group of these players, then you'd fancy Wednesday to bounce back, especially with Darren Moore in charge. I think Darren Moore's the factor for me. Uh, I think what we've seen from Wednesday, uh, I mentioned it in the live stream yesterday, how many different styles they've been through this season alone. You're looking at Gary Monk, uh, there's Lee Bullen, although that's less of a, a, a traumatic change in style because he's obviously already at the club. You've got um, Neil Thompson, Tony Pulis, Tony Pulis. Uh, yep. Um and then obviously uh, Darren Moore as well, and and the way Darren Moore's transformed the team, um, they were they were very organised against Derby. If it wasn't for individual errors, Derby scored three goals in the second half, um, and they were mostly down to to poor decision making at, at key points for for Wednesday. Um, they they they'd have been they'd have been fine if they had appointed Darren Moore earlier on in the season. I think they'd have been fine. This is this is what we're talking about in terms of decision making at the top being too slow, you know, transfer not being of a footballing mould, um, because these are the things that needed to be done early, um, and it was a risk hiring Darren Moore, but I think it's going to pay off in the long term for them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's we were talking to Dan, weren't we, from the Wednesday Week podcast about it, and he was saying that it's an appointment that's almost in preparation for League One and. You look at it when you're in the championship and you still got a chance of staying up. It is a bit negative, but in the long term, it's not a bad move, really. And I think Darren Moore is the best person for the Wednesday job at the moment. He's done a he did a fantastic job, didn't he, at Doncaster um, before Wednesday snatched him off him, um, and he's done a decent job. Admittedly, not getting much points on the board, but the performances have improved, and he's done a decent job in the time that he has been at Wednesday already. So. I think there's plenty to be positive about. When you look at you know the owner and what have you, then it's all a bit of a mess behind the scenes. But out on the pitch, Wednesday could go quite well next season. And I'm looking at this and thinking, yeah, I, I fancy them to bounce back. I fancy them to to win the league. I mean, in a sense to to what Hull did. Um, they need to replace some of the forward options. I think Kachunga, um, he'll be he'll be on his way. Uh, we mentioned Jordan Rhodes is out of contract. Um, I think I think actually he's been one of their best players over the last sort of six or seven weeks. Um, you've got a couple of other forward options. Patterson might move on. Windass move on. If they don't, those two are very good League One forwards who are going to score a lot of goals for Wednesday. For me, they they will bounce back. Um, they've got the the, the mould of a very good squad. They've got two goalkeepers who should be very good at League One level in Dawson and, and Wildsmith that's with that's preempting Westwood leaving at the end of his contract as well. So I think Wednesday are in a in a better position than, for example, Derby would have been had they gone down. I'd agree with that. I really would agree with that. Um so let's move on to Rotherham then, who Unfortunately for you, anyway, because uh, you, as we all know, you've been a. <laughs> oh, come on, mate! Hang on, hang on. <laughs> you knew, you knew I was going to bring it up, Justin. Of course, I was. You've been banging that drum for so long, and it's it, they've fallen down at the last day. But as we were just saying earlier, they've had lifeline after lifeline to try and stay up, haven't they? But it's it just wasn't enough in the end. But having said all that, if they manage to keep hold of this squad, it's a very it's again a very good squad to have in League One. It's a, it's a brilliant squad to have in League One. It's a good championship squad, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and yeah, I have been banging the Rotherham drum and it was going well in my favour, um, from that sense anyway, for 88 minutes. They were staying up for 88 minutes until <laughs> until Marlon Pack, who I don't think has scored all season, fancied um, fancied ruining, in, ruining everybody's day in South Yorkshire. Um, and, he, and, he, and he did that. Um, and also made me look a mug at the same time. But... <laughs> I, I've got I've got full faith in this in this Rotherham squad. I've got full faith in in Paul Warren. I think he's a fantastic manager. I'd be surprised if there wasn't suitors for Paul Warren. Preston, if you're looking for a manager, Paul Warren is a very very good 
um, potential appointment. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm very confident in Rotherham with the team that they've got, providing they can keep hold of the players that have really impressed. Victor Johansson, for example, before he before he got clobbered by Colton Morris against Barnsley, had been unbelievable. His kicking's a bit, mm, his distribution's a bit, a bit rough. But from a goalkeeper perspective, he's bloody brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lewis Wing is one who probably won't be there next season. He's only on loan from Middlesbrough, but he's been a standout player quite recently. And uh, it it will be interesting to see who Rotherham do hold on to, but they haven't got as many players who definitely won't be there next season as the likes of Wednesday and Derby. So, uh, as you say, if they manage to keep hold of that core squad, then they'll fancy themselves to bounce back. Also worth saying that Rotherham have this ridiculous record where they've either finished in the bottom (laughs) four or top four um, for the past, like, 11 seasons or seven seasons or something like that. So we're kind of seeing Rotherham as this yo-yo side at the moment, aren't they? And we could see them very well yo-yo back into the championship in, what, just over a year's time? Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise anybody, I don't think, because of the talent that they've got, because of the talent that Paul Warren's brought into the team and because of a talented manager in Paul Warren. They're a very well-run club under, under Tony Stewart. And um, this is why I like them so much, because they are, they've done it the right way and they've done it they they play a good style of football. I don't think they're they're COVID running. I say the COVID running literally because because of COVID and having games postponed and also the weather in in South Yorkshire hasn't helped because of having games postponed. Um, we haven't been able to see that style of playing in, in its full flow. Um, but you know, I, I really wish I really wish we had. I really I really wish that they were able to showcase what they're about because they are better than Derby on Wednesday. Um, and I've not been vindicated in my opinion clearly. But we were saying on Thursday, weren't we, that Wednesday and Rotherham are both better teams than Derby. And Derby have managed to stay up. Wednesday had the points deduction. If it wasn't for that, they'd have stayed up. So there you go. Sometimes justice isn't fair. It's um, not. Are you, are you sad to see Rotherham go down then? I am. I, I actually am because they... <laughs> When you see, oh, I guess I'm really condescending. When you see a small team come up, a small club from a small town come up, and they and they and they really wrestle with the big boys, um, it's it's really good to see, especially from a championship level, because it highlights how competitive not only the championship is, but also the football pyramid in um, in in football in the UK is is just that's how it is. Teams can it's cliched, but any team can beat anyone. Uh, Rotherham have showed that. Luton have showed that. Barnsley have showed that. The, the the list goes on, and um, the fact that Wickham have been able to take the likes of Derby and when uh, Derby and Sheffield Wednesday to the last day, to the final day of the season, and still be within a shout, a very very distant shout from one ten-story building to the to the bottom floor, um, just goes to show what what it's all about. And um, I got nothing but praise for for football this weekend. Fair enough. So from, <laughs> what from what we're saying, then we think. Derby could get relegated next season and then Wednesday and Rotherham will be back in the championship in a year's time. Yeah, literally, I think it's what Jay Cartwright when he's on the bus, where he's waving and then it slowly turns into a, uh, an aggressive gesture as they pass. <laughs> I, I, I've got nothing else to comment on that. Um, <laughs> let's move on, Justin, to the rest of the games in the championship on Saturday. Uh, Brentford beat Bristol City 3-1, meaning they finished third and they'll play Bournemouth in the playoffs. That's a right old ding-dong clash, isn't mm. it? It's a tasty one. It's a tasty one. I am quite. Uh, I actually can't wait for that. I was hoping that um, Barnsley would either get um, Bournemouth or, or Brentford. Um, in the in the semi-finals because those two teams would have struggled to to play against Barnsley, but um, Brentford and Bournemouth is a taste one, and also I think you knock out one of the favourites um, for the playoffs. If well, one one of the teams has got to have got to vacate the playoffs um, in a weird way of saying it. So yeah, it's a big tie. It is a big tie. I, in fact, those were the two who I thought would be the final. Um, but obviously, they can't be now because they're playing each other. So we could very well... Well, actually, I, I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to spoil the preview exactly. episodes that we're doing Keep it tight. Um, final point on Brentford, though. Ivan Tony scored, meaning he's the first striker in Championship history to score more than 30 goals. I've been saying he's the best Championship striker ever, Justin. Are you finally coming around to my way of thinking? He's the best championship striker currently, but best stri- best championship striker ever. No, I'm Why? I'm not coming around because because he's he's I've got to see it happen on on more than one occasion. Glenn Murray's 
still doing it now actually at Forest. Um, but Glenmore is, was doing it for a long time. Palace, Brighton, um, Bournemouth, etc. Lewis Graben has done it for a lot of clubs. Nathan Ellington has done it for a lot of clubs. Uh, Marlon Harewood did it for Forest and West Ham and Blackpool. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of players I think ahead of him. But but I'm not I'm not discrediting him. I think he's a fantastic player and certainly the best striker in the division this season. 31 goals, the most ever in a season, and he's also got 10 assists. I, d- I don't see what more you want from him. Uh, and an important point to make is he's not set the record. He's not fe- he's not set the first division record either because Guy Whittingham did that for Portsmouth with 42. I said championship. I know, I know. It's a it's a cheeky play of words, but um, yeah, the records go back further than 2004, right? Uh, doesn't in my book. Um, <laughs> speaking of Bournemouth, they lost 2-0 to Stoke and they've now lost three in a row, which isn't ideal form heading into the playoffs, is it? No, no, not at all. It's, it's, it's really oh, crap, actually. Um, to, to, to be really blunt, uh, when you when you're losing games, you want to be close, but they've they've been they've lost these games without reply as well. So very very frustrating. I imagine if you Woodgate, because the momentum that they built up has now vanished. They don't have any. Um, they're going in not with a, a, a fresh pair of eyes, um, shall we say? But they're they're going in afresh. They have to start again. Um, whereas Brentford, for example, I don't have it in front of me, but the amount of games they've been unbeaten for, they've they they they've proven that they're hard to beat. Um, whereas Bournemouth haven't essentially. It's just mental how they've gone from winning all these games in a row. They were like a steam train, weren't they? Absolutely flying. And then they lose to a Brentford side who were down to 10 men for nearly half the game. They lose to Wickham, who were bottom of the table at the time. And now they lose to a Stoke side who haven't been in great form for the second half of the season. I just don't really understand how you can go from so good just so bad in such a short space of time. But Jonathan Woodgate's now got a right job in his hands to try and turn it around in the playoffs. Speaking of not ideal form heading into the playoffs, Swansea lost 2-0 to Watford, meaning they've got just one win from their last five and just three wins from 13. But they'll be playing Barnsley in the playoffs, who drew 2-2 with champions Norwich. Wickham's relegation was finally confirmed. They needed to beat Middlesbrough by 11 goals to stand any chance of staying up. They only managed to get three. Get this, though. Wickham finished above Rotherham on Wednesday, mm-hmm. which it, it, it might not be much because they've obviously ended up going down, but hats off to Gareth Ainsworth. I think it, I think Gareth Ainsworth said, actually, um, it might have been a couple of games ago now, uh, but he said in one of the post-match presses that... Uh, I think it was when relegation was pretty much all but confirmed. Um, he was basically saying we don't want to finish bottom. We want to, we want to finish as high as we can. We don't want to finish bottom, and and they haven't. And let me tell you, that is such a big achievement for for Wickham. They did they lose the first seven games? Yes, they went like seven games without winning, and they barely. I think they only managed to get like one goal in that time as well, didn't they? And what what did you say after the, the first? Couple I didn't of think games? they'd win a game. I didn't think they'd win a game all season. I'll admit that. And, and looked, here we but are. But they looked awful, didn't they? In those first they seven did. games, they looked completely out of their depth. And at one point, when they just managed to finally get used to the division, they started playing quite well. And at one point, we were looking at it, weren't we, and thinking, "Hang on a minute, they could stay up." And mm-hmm. it, of course, over the course of the season, that's not proven to be the case. But we shouldn't underestimate. It that this is a massive achievement and they've only finished one point behind Derby yeah well that's we're talking about points Andre Wisdom 94th minute winner against Wickham that 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 separates the that separates the teams minutely um but as I was saying this, this achievement from Wickham is 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 huge um I was saying back in I think it was March February time that if they can take it to the last couple of games um with with relegation not not confirmed um then that that achievement is massive and here we are 46 games in relegation not confirmed until the final whistle went against Middlesbrough brilliant achievement from from Wickham and Gareth Ainsworth yeah massive achievement quick word on how they'll do in league one next season you fancy them to bounce straight back up um it'll be interesting to see what happens it all depends on Gareth Ainsworth whether he stays at Wickham or whether he goes we know he's been linked with Preston we know that um Blackburn fans fancy him if Mowbray leaves. So a lot of things in the air. They've also got to keep the likes of Ikpiatu, um, 
Scott Kashka, Mamete, Josh Knight. Obviously, he's going to go back to, to Leicester. So, all up in the air. But David Stockdale signed a new deal. He's kept seven clean sheets in the last 15 games, um, which which goes to show the the change in mentality for Wickham because it could become a lot harder to beat in those games. It's just a shame it didn't happen three or four games before. Mm. I don't think Wickham fans should be expecting to bounce back into the Championship next season I think that's a big ask but the money that they've made from this season alone will stand them in good stead in the future and that's another real positive that Wickham can take from this season and um, moving on elsewhere there were some bizarre score lines going around Coventry beat Millwall 6-1 which came out of the blue a bit Blackburn won 5-2 against Birmingham Adam Armstrong got a hat-trick and that means he's finished the season on 28 goals and if it wasn't for Ivan Tony, then 28 goals would be seen as a pretty impressive tally. I think um, Adam Armstrong's the highest goal scorer without penalties this season, which is a fair um, justification for him being a, a very good player at this level, I think. Um, I, I gave him a stick earlier on the season. I thought it was very wasteful, but the last five or six games he, he showed me that, that he's not, and he showed a lot of people that he's not, because I'm sure he was getting a stick from Blackburn fans as well. It'll be interesting to see if he's still at Blackburn next season. He has been linked with a move away and when you score 28 goals in the season, it's understandable. Just just one quick point on the Coventry-Millwall game as well. Bierkowski was given the player of the season for Millwall just before this game. And, um, right, OK. And then he conceded six. Conceded six. Unbelievable. QPR won again. This time it was against Luton. 3-1 that finished. Uh, Preston won 2-1 against Forest. James Garner scored an absolute worldie for Forest. If you haven't seen that yet, have a look for it. It is sensational. And finally, Reading and Huddersfield drew 2-2. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Has Derby's takeover been complete yet, Justin? No, it hasn't. Well, it might not go through at all. Yeah, it seems to have all gone tits up, quite frankly. So according to the Daily Mail, Derby's prospective owner, Eric Alonso, has no access to funds because his bank account has been frozen. He's apparently been trying to refinance Pride Park as well in a bid to fund the deal, and it's led to the whole thing being in serious doubt. Yeah, um, and for those that... Am I right in saying if you refinance um, a property like Pride Park, the bank then owns it, so you're then back to paying a mortgage? That, that's it's, right, isn't it? It's something like that. I don't really understand house ownership. So, <laughs> neither do I, and I bought a house. Um, <laughs> so, essentially, the Pride Park hasn't been owned by Derby County for the last two seasons because Mel Morris has bought it and it's potentially going back into the hands of either Eric Alonso or a bank that is that, that is red flag central um, you're putting you're putting debt against the, the club to buy the club which is what the Glazers did um, yeah this this man should be nowhere near football ownership if I'm being really really honest it's it's scary that he's even being entertained and that's my absolute honest opinion um, don't at me <laughs> Well, I think one person who might at you is Eric Alonso himself because he, since this news came out, has been going crazy on Twitter. Um, When you see your owner or potential new owner putting, you know, ranting tweets in all caps lock, it's not exactly what you want to see, is it? Or before nine o'clock as well. Mm. Uh, And it's really important to to, to point out as well, the report was by... um, Craig Hope in the Daily Mail and Daily Mail gets a lot of flack because a lot of the reports they've put out about Derby County have been very inaccurate but this is if you read the stories in full the differences in reporting is is very very good very very detailed um, and if you get a reaction like that from an owner if, if Eric Alonso stayed quiet and just let the deal go through um, then fair enough you can almost say that well, you can you believe it a little bit more, but the fact that he's come out screaming on Twitter, I assume screaming because he used caps lock, tells me that he's he's Mister Billy bullshit. Um, he's got no money. He's, I, I reckon I have more money than him, and I have credit card debt. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, some of the things you come out with, honestly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think there's been more red flags in the past few weeks than there is in the whole of China. So uh, we'll, we'll 
we'll move on from talking about Derby because I realise we've spoken about them a lot in this episode and I promise we won't mention him again, listener, in this episode. Bournemouth's Arnott Dan Juma and Jonathan Mudgate have won the Championship Player and Manager of the Month, respectively. That's gone well. <laughs> and that explains why they've been crap then. <laughs> QPR yeah. defender Todd Kane has been banned for seven matches, fined six grand and ordered to take a mandatory education session. It's after he was charged by the FA for abusing a player over their nationality or ethnicity. Moving swiftly on. Transfer news. Could Ashley Young be returning to Watford, Justin? The Watford Academy product has been linked with a move back to Vicarage Road and admits it would be hard to turn down. However, he says he's not had any contact yet. That would be fantastic to see, wouldn't it? You would love it. You would absolutely love it. I, I have a soft spot for um, for players going back to their their first clubs after fifteen years away. Um, yeah, it brings a brings a wry smile to my face, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and if especially from if the the local lads from the area as well, yeah, it's it's very nice to see. And hopefully it goes through because he'd be a very good asset in the Premier League for Watford. Yeah, he is getting on a bit now. He is thirty five, but he has made this transition into. A fullback now, hasn't he? Which is a far cry from his days when he was wearing a Watford shirt and he was this flying winger. <laughs> but considering Watford now, Kiko Fabinho, I think, is out of contract in the summer. So if he were to go, then that fills a nice little gap, doesn't it? It does, but as well as that, he can play left back as well. Um, I think you get a player. It's like James Milner at Liverpool. You want players who can play in a few positions. If you bring Ashley Young in, you've got a an ex-title winner at United, um, experienced England international, experienced player overall, and a player who's just come back from the Italian league where um, he's been learning his trade from Antonio Conte, who's one of the best tacticians in the world. So I think it would be a very good signing for, for any team um, outside of the top six for me. Yeah. Not just on the pitch either, it's you know, in the dressing room as well, exactly. isn't it? Just having an experienced yeah. head. Uh, Norwich are signing defender Ben Gibson and Dimitris Janoulis on permanent deals. That's because there was a clause in both their loan contracts that their moves would be permanent if Norwich got promoted, which is good news because they've both been fantastic for Norwich this season. QPR captain Jeff Cameron is leaving the club. The 35-year-old is returning to America. Not sure if he's playing anymore, but he's had a decent career, hasn't he? Wouldn't have expected it because he, he got off to a really slow start at Stoke and um, started to, to come into his own. And then his, his QPR career started really slowly as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he's I think it's turned out very well for him, really. Um, he's a bit of a shithouse as well, so he's, he's a very likeable character. Mm. Barry Bannon has won Sheffield Wednesday's Player of the Season award. This comes after Wednesday fans try to sabotage it and vote for Jack Marriott instead. We were saying, weren't we, if Jack Marriott actually had won the award, they weren't going to give him it, were they? But Wednesday fans have been demanding to see the number of votes. Yeah, we want full disclosure, please, Sheffield Wednesday. I want want a fan-led inquiry into those numbers. We need to see the numbers. I'm all for that. And finally, Niskins Cabano missed the Middlesbrough game on Saturday with a hamstring injury. Neil Warnock said it happened because he'd been riding Jed Spencer's scooter. What kind of scooter? If it's one of those micro scooters, you know, this is going back years, isn't it? Oh, God, showing my age. You know the micro scooters that break your ankle? I can see you, I can see them, I can see him putting his hamstring on one of those. I think think they're talking like moped kind of scooter. Why would a footballer have a moped? Why would a footballer have (laughs) one of those scooters that you use with your feet? So you can do ollies in your back garden. (laughs) And that's how he did his hamstring. It (laughs) all makes sense now. (laughs) Justin, shall we finish off the season with a Craig Bryson pub quiz? Ooh, ooh, you tantalising little so-and-so. Go on, Tickling your fancy? Go on, then. Right, this is the part of the show where we give Justin six clues about a mystery championship legend. Must have played at least 200 games in the championship and will have played relatively recently. All Justin has got to do is try and guess who it is from these six clues. Justin, your first clue is this. I've made 217 championship appearances, scoring... 36 goals. Screams midfielder for me. Is it Craig Bryson? It's not Craig Bryson. It'd be good if it was Craig Bryson, though. 
I made my professional debut for Aston Villa in 2010. In 2010. Um, ooh, no, I don't know why Henry Lansbury is coming to my head. Um, next clue, please. 2010 is quite late. I thought he would have played a lot earlier, to be honest. I went on to make 113 Premier League appearances for Aston Villa. Andreas Weimann. He's only got it, ladies and gents. Wow, fair play. Fair play. What was that? How, how did you manage to pull that out of the bag? Um, I think like post-2010, Villa's, <laughs> Villa's academy prospects were crap. Um, in, in comparison to where they were in the Premier League, shall we say, because Andreas Weimann's a very good player at championship level. Um, so that's how I got it. Like Gabby Bonhoff, not very good, for example. I will point out the Craig Bryson pub quiz is usually more exciting than this, but Justin's just managed to, you know, see it off as quickly as possible. So fair play. The other clues were at championship level. I've played for Wolves. Completely forgot I played for Wolves. Bristol City. Uh, Watford. Completely forgot I've played for Watford. And Derby. I've missed most of this season with an ACL injury and I've got 14 caps for Austria. So well done, Justin. Andy Vyman, ladies and gentlemen. I'll take that. I'll take it. I love it. Thank you. Well, that's, that's just about it for us on the Second Tier podcast this week and for this season. It's been a roller coaster at times, but let's be honest, it has been a bit of a crap season. And there's one reason <laughs> for that, lack of fans. Every game this season has missed the energy, passion, which is provided by football supporters, whether it's a dual nil-nil game or one with a last-minute winner. The Championship and football in general has badly missed fans in the ground hopefully ladies and gentlemen over the course of this season we've managed to do we've managed to go some way to filling that gap that's been left by us not being able to go to games and next season we'll see a return to normality listen we really appreciate your support you've given us over the course of this season but it's not over just yet we've still got the best to come the playoffs this coming week we've got two shows lined up for you one with the fans of the each teams involved uh, that'll be coming out on Tuesday and also an expert panel assessing who's going to win the bloody thing. And that's coming out on Thursday. Once the playoffs is over, we'll have the second tier awards and also we'll be reviewing each of the championship teams in uh, this season. So plenty to look forward to, even though we've only got five games left, five big games. So if you're able to take a minute of your time to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to us on, thank you goes a long long way to helping us grow justin anything you want to add before heading off i can't wait for fans to be back and around i really can't i think it was hearing chants um from from derby fans yesterday before the game um it, it really almost did bring a lump to my throat and just being back in the ground i think is going to make everything so much better for for everyone so yeah keep going guys we'll be there soon i could not put it better myself this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Tuesday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.